chapter 26. If you're there, let's go ahead and stand tonight. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter number 26. We're going to begin in verse number 1, read down through verse 2, verse 3, and we'll pray <clears throat> and let you be seated. Tonight's message will piggyback just a little bit on the thought of this morning. Isaiah chapter 26, look down to verse 1. The Bible says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Verse 3 will be our key text tonight. A very familiar passage, one we've heard about, probably even sung about before. Verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Now look at it again and pay close attention to the parts of this verse because I believe this is very relevant for us tonight. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for the wonderful singing, the wonderful spirit we've had here on our property today. Thank you, Father, for what we have to sing about and what we heard sung about tonight. Thank you, Father, that we are sheltered safe, Lord, within your arms. Help us, Lord, to learn about that tonight just a little bit. Help us rely upon that and trust in that like never before, that, Lord, the peace we have in our life will be a tremendous witness to the world that's about us. And I thank you for what you're going to do and pray you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah is a fascinating book. If you've ever done a study through your Bible, reading through your Bible, I hope you've continued to do that through the calendars we give out in January. And as you go through Isaiah, obviously there are some places that are complicated and hard to understand. It's obviously a book of prophecy, uh, but Isaiah is often called a Bible within a Bible. Uh, obviously the Old Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. You divide Isaiah up, you can see those 39 chapters of Old Testament prophecy that deal with prophecy of judgment upon sin. And then the 27 chapters, we see uh, the grace and the hope that we find in the Messiah. Study up on that sometimes. It's a wonderful, wonderful study that'll be a blessing to you. And you can see God's hand all throughout the book, how it reflects upon the entirety of the Word of God. Now, although this is a prophetic book, as we read through it, there's a lot of wonderful truths that you can find out about God and the characteristics of the God that we serve. As you read in the book of Isaiah, you'll find his mercy and his long-suffering. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? I'm thankful we serve a merciful God and a long-suffering God. You'll see that and how he withheld judgment from his people, providing them opportunities to get right with him. And I'm thankful for that because I need his mercy and I need his long-suffering. We see also in the book of Isaiah, another character trait about our God is that he is a just God. He is merciful. He is long-suffering. But also there comes a point in time to where we spend all of the mercy that God has supplied to us, and God is a just God and can allow sin to go unpunished, and he chastises his children because he loves them. And then in the latter chapters of the book of Isaiah, we see his grace in sending a Savior. But in chapter 26, there's one trait that I want to focus in on tonight that I believe will go right along with a special that we just heard, and it's in verse number 3. The Bible says that will keep him in perfect, now notice the next word, the Bible says peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. 
Now that verse, verse number three, contains a a foundational principle that you find all throughout Scripture. Verse number three is literally the exact principle that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden on how they could have peace in their life. It's also the same principle that God gave the children of Israel, and it's the same principle that God calls us to live by today in order to have peace. Now, folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but peace is a commodity that's in short supply. It's hard to find peace in just about anything in the world we're living at today. It's been amazing to me as I've gone back and looked at the messages the Lord has given us, how many of them have dealt with peace. Now, here's the sad part. The world is rejecting Christ, and in rejecting Christ, they're rejecting peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. You can't reject Christ and have peace. So there's no wonder we can't find peace in the world because in rejecting the Christ, we are rejecting the peace. But here's something that's even sadder. What's sadder is you can't find peace among God's people. Here we are. Listen, if you're a professing Christian and you know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you know the Prince of Peace. And tonight, it's sad that the world doesn't have peace, but I'm not surprised. They are rejecting Christ, therefore they're rejecting peace. Understand that, that when you push Christ away, you are pushing peace away in your life. But for the Christian tonight who knows Christ, each and every one of us should have peace in our life, but we don't. And the sad thing is, you look at verse number three, God gives us the avenue by which we can pursue and have peace in our life. Now, this is a very familiar topic But I believe this is one that's much needed today. This is why the Lord sends these messages. And just for a few minutes tonight, we're going to look at the subject of pursuing peace. Pursuing peace. If it's available for us, why on earth would we not want to have it? If we could have peace in our life, peace in our homes, peace in our hearts, why would we want to have it? And so we see tonight that God shows us exactly how we can have this. Now, I read an interesting statistic And I assume it's true because I got it off of Google, so I'm sure it really is true. But a study was done back in 2008 by the Society of International Law in London. It says over the 4,000 years of recorded history that we have, or that they studied, that over the world history of 4,000 years that they looked at, there was less than 8% of the time there was peace. Over a 4,000-year period, less than 8% of that time was a time that they deemed peaceful. Over 4,000 years, there were only 268 years that they called times of peace. You know what that tells me tonight? That tells me if I'm waiting on peace to occur naturally and I'm waiting on peace to come, there's a 92% chance that it's not just going to happen on accident. As a matter of fact, the Bible shows us that if we're going to have peace, we've got to know how to pursue it. The wonderful news, we look at verse number three, God shows us how to pursue peace. And so there's three things in verse number three we need to have tonight in order to have that. So let's look at it if we could. Verse three, the Bible says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Now, obviously, the thou is God. The Bible says that God is the one who gives us peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Now, understand right off the bat tonight that having peace is none of our design, all right? Man tries his best to artificially generate peace. We try that through possessions, Uh, We try that through pleasure, and we try to find some way to generate peace in our own life. But the Bible says it's God. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, the Bible says that God's not the author of confusion, but of what? Of peace. 
God is the author and God is the originator of peace. Therefore, if we want peace, we have to go to get it. Now, understand this. If God's not the author of confusion, who is? It's us. All right? All this confusion we're living in, do you know who authored it? Mankind authored that. Why? Because God is the author of peace. So understand this. Keeping the peace is a God-sized responsibility. All right? We are foolish tonight to think that we are humanly capable of producing and keeping peace in our own life. Keeping peace is a God-sized responsibility. That's why God is showing us, look, you might as well save the time and realize, number one, if you're going to pursue peace, peace is God's responsibility. Number one, peace is God's responsibility. See, how do you know that? Well, verse three says, thou will keep him in perfect peace. I did a quick study just this afternoon and looked up how many times you find peace in the word of God and it's conveyed from God to man, all right? You don't find man generating his own peace. We can't do that. Peace originates with God and finds its way in the direction of man. Let me give you some scriptures. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter number nine, verse number six, speaking of Christ, the Bible calls him the prince of what? Peace. That Christ was going to be the Prince of Peace. We read in John chapter 14, verse 27. The Bible says, peace I leave with you. Where was the peace coming from? It was coming from Christ. Notice, man was not generating that. Jesus says, I'm going to leave peace with you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible says, and the peace of God. So notice where it's coming from. The peace is always originating with God and coming down to man. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, now the Lord of peace give you peace. Now, I read all of that for us to understand tonight that having peace and keeping peace in our life is God's responsibility. Now, look, that ought to let you off the hook just a little bit. Do you know why so many people are working themselves to death buying more and more things, bigger and better things, trying to have the most pleasure in this life. They're trying to generate peace. And you know why so many people get burnt out? Because they're trying to generate something that only God can provide. God is the author and originator of peace. And if we want it, it's going to come from him. Look, we are wasting our time tonight to think that as human beings, we can generate something that only God can provide. That's why it says, thou will keep him. I don't know about you, that takes a load off of my shoulders. Peacekeeping is a busy, busy hobby. So the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? It's a lot of work. But God authors it, and God wants us to have it. Now, folks, the reason so many of us get in a tizzy, and so many of us get burnt out, and so many of us quit, and we get down, and we get discouraged, is because we're not discouraged that we couldn't have peace. We're discouraged because we couldn't generate it. All right? Only God can generate it. And we burn out when we try to work to produce what only God could provide. Now, I'll give you an example. Several years ago, I've told you a lot about a trip I went on to Africa. And uh, we got it in the car, the little, they called it a 15-passenger, but it was one of these little bitty vans that literally had a seat that slid out from the other seat, and you sat on it, and you bounced up and down the road. For some odd reason, I always got stuck on that seat. We leave the airport at Entebbe in Uganda, and we're heading into the bush where we're going to preach. Uh, while we're going down the roads, they are not paved, okay? It's dirt roads everywhere out there. They don't have street lights. I mean, it's, it's kind of creepy, to be honest with you. And so we're going down the road, and all of a sudden behind us, we saw these blue lights. 
And these blue lights were flashing and roaring up behind us comes this SUV. I didn't know what was about to happen. I said, look, my first day in Uganda and I'm about to get arrested for something I'm not exactly sure that I did. The car roars up behind us, jerks over around us, and then flies on past us. And as he flies past us, I read the emblem on the side of the vehicle. The emblem on the side of the vehicle says, UN Peacekeeper. It's kind of redundant, I know, but that's what it said. It flies past us and just goes into the bush, out of sight, uh, there in Africa. Well, about 10 minutes later, we come upon, uh, the lights were shining, there were police vehicles everywhere, and as we eased up into the road, we saw the UN peacekeeping vehicle sitting in the middle of the road. As we looked out the window of our car, there lay the body on the ground of the young man that was just struck and killed by the UN peacekeeper. I thought about that this afternoon and how often we think we can keep the peace and oftentimes we just make things worse, don't we? When you try to step in and do what only God could do, can I tell you something tonight? The United Nations will never bring peace to this world. They are going to work at it. They're going to spend your and mine tax dollars to do it, but they're never going to bring peace. Why? Only God can author and generate peace in our lives. When we put our hands in it, we mess it up. The other day, it seems like every Sunday night I tell you a story about brownies, but let me give you another one. I was at the house making a, another batch of brownies. I only make about one a week, okay? I'm sure you think I make them all the time. It's just about one a week, and we'll munch on those through the next few days after I make them. I was getting ready to make those brownies and uh, put everything in the bowl and realized we were out of oil. It takes about a, a quarter cup of oil to make a good, moist, gooey brownie. I like fudgy ones, not the cake-like ones. If I want to eat cake, I'm going to eat cake. If I want brownies, they better be fudgy. And so I needed the oil to help make them good and fudgy. And I looked, and we were out of the oil. In the cabinets, my wife has all of these fancy olive oils that folks have given her. And I looked in there, and I thought to myself, you know, oil is oil, right? You know, I didn't know that they came in flavors, uh, and scents and different varieties of all the oils that were there. And I just grabbed one of the oils. I put it over in there, poured it in the brownies and stirred it up, cooked it up. And I took a bite and man, it tasted weird. I think it was Madagascar black pepper olive oil is what it was. I was trying to invent a new style of brownie, but it didn't work out too well. If I didn't, listen, if I'd have just stuck with the recipe, everything would have turned out fine. But when I thought that I could improvise on the recipe, that's when things got messed up. Now, folks, the reason tonight we're living in a world of confusion is because we're trying to do what only God could do, and that's to bring and to keep peace in our lives. Peace is God's responsibility. He says, thou wilt keep him. That's why Psalms 4, 41, verse 8, the Bible says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Did you notice a very important word in there? It's the word only. It says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. That's where we get our prayer from. You know, we get our kids at night, we get ready to go to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. You sleep in peace. Why? Because the Lord makes us to dwell in safety. Do you know that it's a fool's errand for all of us tonight to try to think that we can fend off all the evils and ills of this world? It's impossible. I mean, folks, understand this tonight. There's no, listen, there's no security system good enough. There, there's not enough guns in the world to keep all of the evils away from your home and away from your heart. But you know what gives us peace? Peace comes from knowing that God can not only give it, God can keep it. 
Why? Because peace is God's responsibility. Now notice verse 3, what kind of peace he gives us. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. We know that word perfect means complete. I don't know about you, that's the kind of peace I need. I don't need a partial peace. Look, 2021, you don't need a partial peace. You need a perfect peace, a complete peace that no matter, as they sing about, the storms rage high, the dark skies rise, it doesn't matter. They don't worry me. Why? I'm sheltered in the arms of God. That's a perfect peace. Folks, that's the kind of peace that Daniel had in the lion's den. You don't sleep in a lion's den without a perfect peace from God that no matter what's coming your way is taken care of by him. I think about how often in my house, I told you last Sunday, I don't have peace when the dog across the street barks. He's still barking, by the way. I haven't killed him. I thought about it, but I haven't. Can I tell you what you need tonight? You need a lion taming kind of peace. We're living in a lion's den. We are. It's only going to get worse. It seems like on a daily basis, more lions get thrown down into the den. Wouldn't you like to have the kind of peace Daniel did? Look, I don't think lion taming was a part of his job description. I don't think that Daniel went to school and Daniel is sleeping in the lion's den because Daniel thought, I can take them. I don't think he did. I think Daniel, or I know Daniel's sleeping in the lion's den because he had a perfect peace because he knew there was nothing he could do to those lions, but it was within the hands of God. That God was providing the peace. So number one tonight, if we're going to pursue peace, number one, peace is God's responsibility. Now let's keep reading verse three. You say, well, if it's God's responsibility, why don't I have it? Why doesn't he just give it to us? Well, I'm glad you asked. Keep reading. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Uh-oh. Whose mind is stayed on thee. You see, God's going to provide it. But we definitely have a part to play. What is it? Well, the Bible says that will keep him. It's a specific someone. Who is the someone? The someone is whose mind is stayed on thee. Number one, peace is God's responsibility. But number two, notice, peace comes with a requirement. Peace comes with a requirement. God supplies it, but we've got to choose to stay. We've got to choose to stay. Now notice what he says, thou wilt keep him, who is him, the one whose mind is stayed on thee. You see, it's like we preached this morning, peace is a product of your focus. What you're focused on is going to give you peace in your life. I remember when Miley first got her ears pierced, I don't know how old was she, four or five years old? You know, just a little girl. And she decided she wanted to get her ears pierced. And for a dad, man, you know, I just wasn't sure how I thought about that. I wasn't sure if there shouldn't be a law against kids getting their ears pierced so young. I'm thinking, she's growing up too fast. And so we go to this place called Claire's in Vicksburg. And uh, she's ready to do it. And uh, all of a sudden, the ladies come out. And there's one on each side. You know, they're going to gang up on her at the same time. One, two, and I'm sitting there, baby, are you sure about this? Look, you don't have to do this. Look, peer pressure's a real thing, and daddy will stand by you. Look, I don't care what mom says. It's all right if you don't get your ears pierced. It's going to be okay. She says, no, dad, I think I will. And all of a sudden, here come the ladies walking toward her, and she started doing this. That's what I'd be doing too, all right? I'm glad earrings are for girls. And so, you know, you're looking around, and here they come, here they come. And all of a sudden, you could tell, boy, she just started just cringing around. I said, are you sure, baby? Daddy will get you out of here. Daddy will throw you in the car, and we'll get away from that bad lady who's going to poke holes in your ears. And all of a sudden, she started to panic. And here's what I told her. I said, baby, do you want to do this? Yes, sir, I do. I said, then look at dad. Look at dad. Don't look over there. Don't look over there. Just keep your eyes on dad. 
You see, when she took her eyes off dad and started looking at the lady who's fixing to poke holes in her ears, oh man, she started to panic. She didn't have peace in her life. I said, keep your eyes on dad. It's going to be okay. Look, hey, we're going to go to Disney World one day. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to go to Sonic. We're going to buy you a grilled cheese. Hey, you just keep your eyes on me. And next thing you know, one, two, three. Pfft. And she just cringes. I said, are you okay? Are you okay? She goes, yeah. It was over. But I had to get her to focus. Keep your eyes on dad. Keep your eyes on dad. Well, folks, we're looking around today. We look over here, we've got problems in our government, we've got problems in our economy, we've got problems, problems, problems. And the reason we have no peace is because of our focus. The Bible says, thou wilt keep him. Notice, he's not just throwing peace out like a parade. He says there's a requirement that comes along with it. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Folks, you get in trouble when you lose your focus on keeping your mind stayed on Christ. That's when you get in trouble. Isn't that what got Peter? Wasn't Peter doing all right? Peter was walking to Christ, walking to Christ, keeping my focus, keeping my focus. He's meeting his requirement. Do you know what it takes to walk on water? There's a requirement on your part. It's called faith. You gotta have faith to walk on water. He's got his focus. He's going to Christ. And then all of a sudden he got distracted. Isn't it easy to get distracted? I get distracted so, so easy. I've been blaming it on COVID. I don't know what my problem was before COVID, but I've been blaming it on COVID ever since. I have to make lists on everything. I tell Siri all the time, Siri, remind me tomorrow morning, eight o'clock, you have a meeting. And I get so distracted, next thing you know, I pass by the church and there's a car in the driveway and I realize, oh, I had a meeting with them. What happened? I got distracted. Something came along that got my attention. Troubles can get your attention, can't they? Problems and strife, persecution, uncertainty in life, it can distract you from your focus on Christ. But watch this. As soon as you get distracted, that's when you start sinking. That's when Peter starts sinking. Now, I noticed something this afternoon. I was reading in John 21 when Jesus was risen and he's walking along the shore and he calls out, children, have you any meat? And they realized it was Christ. You know what Peter did? He did a swan dive off the nose of that boat. I love it. It says he cast himself into the sea. Peter saw Christ and all of a sudden locked in, jumped out of the boat, and he's swimming toward Christ. Here's what's interesting. You never find any place in John 21 where Peter started to drown. You never find where Peter started to have trouble. Where Peter's like, Lord, you got to save me. Do you know why I believe Peter made it all the way to the shore where Christ was? He was stayed on him. There's Christ. That's where I'm going. And man, he made his way all the way to Christ without problem. Why? He was stayed on him. Folks, you'd be amazed tonight. You really would. If we just kept our focus on Christ like we were preaching about this morning. And we kept our mind stayed on him. You see, the price for peace tonight is being committed to keep our focus on Christ. You have to pay a price for peace. You know, oftentimes I think we're more willing to pay the price for cheese sticks at Sonic than we are to pay the price to have peace that should be ruling our lives as a child of God. We're not willing to pay for it. You gotta pay for it. Look, how valuable is peace to you? I can tell you how valuable it is to me. It's nice to have. I say this jokingly, okay? My daughter loves to play the piano. Loves to play the piano. That's her passion. That's her heart. She loves doing it. I'd come home from work five, six, seven o'clock in the afternoon, and she's on the piano. She's having a good old time. <clears throat> Dad comes in, sits on the couch. How do you say in a nice way, I love your playing, and it's music to my ears, but I just want some peace. 
all day long. I just hear stuff. I just want some quiet. And so I'm sitting there talking to Leslie. I said, I don't know how to do this. I don't want to discourage her because she loves to play and just loves to play. I'm talking about two to three hours at a time. Miss Evelyn has instilled something in her. I mean something. Finally, somebody says, you know, they sell these pianos. And these pianos have headphone jacks. I said, say what? <laughs> Les and I made ourselves a trip to Mississippi Music. Walked in there, I says, I hear you have these pianos that can be played, but you don't hear anything. The guy said, yes, we have those. I said, how much? And he told me, I said, oh. <laughs> I had to decide how much I was willing to pay for peace. I asked him, do you have a finance plan? 12 months, no interest. Buddy, you got yourself a deal. Today, back in our home, all you hear is the thump of fingers on keys. Peace. Every month. <clears throat> That's one check I don't mind writing. Why? I'm willing to pay for my peace. Look, no offense, she loves to play. I'm thankful. She wants to glorify God with it. Hey, that's great. Sometimes you need peace. You got to figure out what you're going to be willing to pay for it. And can I tell you why you don't have it right now? You're not willing to pay for it. What's the cost? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You've got to say, you know what? I want peace in my life bad enough. I'm going to keep my focus on Christ. Why? Because when you're committed to have a focus on Christ, the byproduct of that is you have peace in your life. But you have to choose to do it. You no, know, your mind's not going to naturally be stayed on him. You've got to choose to keep your mind and your heart stayed on him. Why? Because you value peace and you're willing to pay for it by what it's going to cost you. I want you to turn with me right quick to Acts chapter 7, and I'll give you point number 3. And we'll be done tonight. Acts, actually, actually, turn to Acts chapter 6. I want to show you what peace looks like. Acts chapter number 6, look toward the end of the chapter. We're reading about Stephen. Stephen's been brought before the synagogue, and he's being grilled, if you will, by the court. Verse number 10, Acts chapter 6, the Bible says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom, now watch this, and the spirit by which he spake, that's a lowercase s, that's not the capital S, it's his personal spirit. They couldn't resist his spirit. Look at verse 15 of chapter 6. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Do you know what it sounds like Stephen has? It sounds like he has peace, doesn't it? He has a wonderful spirit, and he has the face of an angel. You say, well, what is he doing here? Are they complimenting him here? Are they giving him the medal of honor? No. Look at verse 13. Here's what's happening. The Bible says, and set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. They are accusing him. And yet, what does he have? He has peace. He has a wonderful spirit. He has the face of an angel. Look over in chapter 7. He really begins preaching in chapter 7. Not only is he preaching sharp words, he's probably going long like I did this morning, and this is probably how you felt as well. <laughs> verse 54 the Bible says when they heard these things they were cut to the heart 
and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They don't sound like they're too peaceful, do they? They're biting him. Verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see heavens opened up, opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Verse 57, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here's a guy who has a perfect peace. He's getting tried. He's getting lied about. He's getting bitten by people. He's getting beat upon by people. He's getting stoned by people. He has a good spirit, the countenance of an angel. He's forgiving. He's not bitter. That's a perfect peace. Wouldn't you love to have that? I mean, look, we watch the news, Fox News or CNN or whatever you watch. We watch it. Also, we have a bad attitude for three days. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's true. Here's Stephen. All this is happening to him, and yet he is calm. He has the right spirit. He has the right attitude. He's not bitter. He's forgiving. Why? He had a perfect peace. Where did he get it from? Well, the answer is verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Watch this. His mind was stayed on thee. Notice what he was looking at. He wasn't looking at the guys who were about to hit him with another rock. He wasn't looking at the guys on this side who were biting him. He wasn't looking at the people who were accusing him. His mind was stayed on thee. I want you to understand something. You don't get stoned and beat up and bitten and lied about and not lash out at somebody if your mind is not stayed on him that you still have perfect peace. You choose that. You choose that. It didn't happen by accident. Peace comes with a requirement, and all of a sudden we see Stephen choosing to keep his eyes and his mind on the Lord. So that's the requirement. Number two, notice that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. That's our requirement. But here comes the all-important question, and we're done tonight. How do we do that? It always ends in a how, doesn't it? How do we do that? Well, that's the end of verse number three. The Bible says, because he trusteth in thee. How? Do you keep your mind on Christ? How do you keep your focus stayed on him? The Bible says, because he trusteth in thee. Number three, how do we pursue peace? Peace is God's responsibility. It comes with our requirement. Number three, peace comes through relinquishing. Peace comes through relinquishing. Now, this is the hard part. But it's critical. If we're going to obtain peace, there are some things that we have to let go and trust God with. All right? Now, if I went around the room, I think probably 100% of us would say we trust God. Right? How many of you trust God? We'd all raise our hand. I trust God. I trust God. It's even on our money. <laughs> I mean, that just shows you right there. It's just a motto. 
I fear tonight that trusting God and in God we trust is just a model. Look, peace is not the result of a statement that you make. Peace is a result of surrender, all right? Now, what are we surrendering? At the end of verse 3, the Bible says, because he trusteth in thee. Peace is what results when we surrender to God things we're not able to bear. That's where peace comes from. Peace results when you surrender and trust God with things that are out of your control. And can I tell you, most things in 2021, things that will worry us, are things that are out of our control. You want peace? Give them to God. Now, here's something interesting about that word trust. That word trust simply means entrust. Entrust. I hear people all the time, well, I live in the real world. I don't know where that's at, but I'd love to find it because evidently they live somewhere that I don't, you know? I'd love to be able to trust God, but I live in the real world. I'd love to be able to tithe, but I live in the real world. I have real bills and all that. I guess God didn't know about the real world and real bills when he wrote the word of God, all right? When you get a note to him about that. Listen, folks, I live in the real world. I've just entrusted it to his care. Why? Because I realize I can't. I can't generate peace. I can't author peace. God says he's got it, and he's willing to give it to me. But watch this. It comes as an exchange, you know? Have you ever done that game where you trade up? You know, some of you folks are really good at making deals. I talk to you all the time. You're good deal makers. I'm, I'm the guy that people get the deals from. Okay, I buy high and I sell low. Some of you folks can always just find the, brother, brother Matthews is just great about that. Those deals on Facebook Marketplace, he's all the time finding this stuff where you can, you know, hey, I'll, you give me a lawnmower and I'll give you a mansion. And folks are like, oh, deal, just do that, all right? I'm, I'm the guy with the mansion who trades it for the lawnmower. And your wife wonders, what on earth are you doing? God says, watch this. You've got to entrust to me what you can't handle that's why he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God says, give it to me. Do you know why you don't have peace? Because you're trying to fix what you can't fix. And God says, I want you to give it to me. In exchange for your cares, I give you peace. Now, why do you have peace? You have peace because you've placed your cares in the hand of one who can handle it. I visit with people all the time that are dealing with things I don't have the answer for. I've read a whole lot of Hallmark cards in my life, you know. Listen, man, that's where you get some good one romantic liners for your wife, you know. After a while, you go to the well, Brother Michael, it's just not there, so you have to go borrow some from Hallmark cards, and you get them. I've read a lot of Hallmark cards in my life, and there's not a Hallmark card that can give peace for people that are going through some of the things that people are going through in 2021. I regularly visit with people that are fighting cancer, people who've lost loved ones, people who are uh, fighting for their home, people that are struggling with addictions. And there's not anything I can give them that's going to take away the burden they're bearing. What a blessing it is to be able to point them to one who can. And when they entrust to him what they can't handle, he gives them peace and you have peace because you know, you know what? God's handling it. God's handling it. Look, I'm not saying you're acting like you don't have problems. Matter of fact, I think we do that too much. We act like we don't have problems. We act like we don't have burdens. We act like we don't have struggles. I'm not saying ignore them like they're not there. They are there and they're real. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying give them to someone who can handle it. That's why Matthew 6, the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The Bible says, And all these things shall be added. The reason you're getting burnt out 
is you're trying to do God's part. You're trying to supply all these things when God says, look, you can't handle that. Matthew chapter 6, the new disciples are saying, where are we going to eat? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to wear? All of these things. God says, Christ says, you don't worry about that. I'll handle all of that. You just worrying about seeking me first. That's something you can do. Now, folks, the reason we're going to burn out spiritually and give up on God and our lives be a horrible testimony of who our God is is because we're trying to do God's part. We can't bear the burdens of the society we're living in, but we can give them to a God who can and be the light and the witness he's called us to be. Look, I'm not saying act like they're not there. I'm saying, why don't you entrust them? Do you know what you do when your car is breaking down and you can't fix it regardless of how many YouTube videos you've watched? Do you know what you do? You take it to a mechanic and you entrust it to him. When your body has reached a place to where you're going through a physical trial that you can't handle and you've tried everything under the sun, Maybe even a few YouTube videos for that. Not any better. What do you do? You go to a doctor, and you entrust yourself to a doctor. I went to an ENT the other day to get my ears checked and my nose. I still can't smell from COVID, and it bothers me beyond comprehension because I love to eat, and it's bad when you can't smell the good food that you're eating sitting there in the doctor, and he sticks stuff in my ears. He stuck something in my ears that inflated. I don't know what it was. He took me into this one room and started, put a headphones on me, started playing these tones, and I raised my hand when I heard the tone that was over there. He stuck one little pipe up my nose that had an air compressor hooked to it, and he hit a button, and I could breathe like never before. I don't know what that stuff was, but it was good. I may go see that guy once a week and get him to spray some of that stuff up my nose. Do you know what I was doing? I only have one body. I was entrusting that to him. I said, hey, I'm having these problems, and I, I can't, I've tried Sudafed, I've tried Afrin, and look, I just want to taste food again. Can you help me? He said, no, I can't help you. That was disappointing. But I entrusted to him what I could not do of myself. Now, folks, that's all God's asking you to do of him. God says, why don't you entrust me with what you're worrying about the Bible says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Folks, if we're going to pursue peace, understand this. Number one, God is responsible. Listen, don't think for a second. I know we're Americans and we're can-do kind of people. Don't think for a second you can generate peace. We can't. We can't. But we are responsible to keep our minds stayed on him, and we do that by entrusting everything to him that distracts us from keeping our focus on him. And the Bible says once we do that, that God gives us and keeps us in a perfect peace. So tonight, it's there for us. The lost world, I'm not surprised they don't have it. They've rejected it in rejecting Christ. But there's no reason you shouldn't walk out of those doors tonight without having peace in your life, peace in your heart, and peace in your home, if we're just willing to get that focus we talked about this morning back on Christ. Let's have our heads bowed tonight, our eyes closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.